pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's time for The Deuce with Jimmy Chavez on 1620 The Zone. All the headlines you need in two minutes or less. Radio tip, it always helps if you turn your mic on. Omaha women's basketball is officially red hot as they win their third in a row, upsetting North Dakota State at Baxter Arena last night, 63-58. to Well, that must have been fun. Yeah. It's been a fun season all of a sudden. They're almost a 500. Grace Cave leads the Mavs with 19 points. They're 12-13 and 13 overall. There's no sarcasm. It's a big deal. They have now matched their win total from the 17-18 season. Uh, they were 12 and 16 that year. Their 7 and 7 Summit League record also ties the team with the 2012, 13, and 15, 16 squads for the second most conference wins in a season in the Division One era. Meanwhile, the Bison dropped to 14 and 9 overall and 8 5 in league play. That's a good team they beat last night. The Mavs try to get back to 500 when they host North Dakota Saturday high noon at the Baxter. The Omaha men fall on the road, losing to North Dakota State in Fargo, 84-58. The Mavericks fall to 7-19 overall, 3-11 in Summit League play. Their two-game road trip continues in Grand Forks as they tauntaun it up. They take on North Dakota tomorrow afternoon, 1 o'clock. Omaha hockey has a big, big series this weekend with Colorado College. The 16th-ranked Mavericks currently sit in fourth place in the NCHC with 30 points. They come into the weekend winning six of their last seven contests. Both games drop the puck at 7 7 Tonight and tomorrow night. Tomorrow's Creighton-UConn game officially a sellout. Limited standing room only tickets will go on sale this morning at 10 a.m. at the Chai box office. Student section tickets will still be available for full-time Creighton students to claim. And they're all up right now listening, so they're, they're on the edge of their seats hearing this. They can claim them at the box office on Saturday at 1130, which is when the gates open 90 minutes prior to the 1 p.m. tip-off. Saturday's sellout will be the third home sellout in a row. You can hear John Bishop with a call tomorrow right here on The Zone. Jimmy mentions Omaha women's basketball. i got to slip this in. So in two games against North Dakota State this season, Elena Pilakuda is 18 for 18 from the field. Jesus. She went 13 for 13 in Fargo and 5 for 5 last night. Loves playing them bison. Dude, it, it's amazing. She's she's top ten in the country in field goal percentage. That's amazing because I was telling you this a while back when I was still doing PA for Omaha Women's, and this is again like many freshmen and even sophomores. She looked like she still had a ways to go. Like the, and she the, has the, made the, those the, jumps. The development you could tell it needed to happen because she always had sort of the presence. You could tell that she, if she had that sort of fine tuned college game, like she could be a weapon. You could just tell though she was still pretty raw. That's remarkable. That's awesome. She's she's putting together a campaign that's going to get her probably into the first team. That's great in the all conference. Some of these players have been there for a while. I mean, I feel yeah, like I've called them twice. Yeah, she's we would play year. Omaha often, obviously, and, and so KU would host them in Allen yeah. Fieldhouse, and uh, they were a common opponent. So more than one occasion, I called a game against Omaha, and reading some of these names, I'm like, wait, she's still there? Wow, yeah. <laughs> uh, COVID year. Yeah, true, the co- the co- but still, the COVID year. still, that just tells you that corporate knowledge they have, and it's paying off. It's a great story. 
Yeah. That that game on Saturday against North Dakota is big because if Omaha beats North Dakota and South Dakota State beats South Dakota, which they should, Omaha could find themselves in fourth place at the end of the weekend. How about that? From where things started out this season. Picked last in the conference in the preseason. That's cool. And you mentioned Omaha Hockey. We talked to Nolan Sullivan yesterday. They were picked to finish seventh in the NCHC. And uh, just a week ago, they were two points out of first. Now they're in fourth. But a solid weekend would not only pretty much assure them home ice advantage for the playoffs, but then they could be right back on the doorstep of trying to win the regular season. So with the big hoops day tomorrow for Nebraska and Creighton, you also got some really good stuff with Omaha Athletics this weekend as well. Uh, real quickly before we play our interview with Chad Brown, Sharpie and I talking to Chad Brown last week, I want to go to the JTEC Construction Zone Twitter feed because, John, I know you could weigh in on this as well. Uh, Pat says, uh, for the record, there are hundreds of mid-20s drill sergeants in the Army. I, fa- I, I, couldn't, I found that very remarkable. Yeah. In the Marine Corps, too, they're probably late twenties. Okay, but mid mid to late twenties, yeah. Okay, yeah, your your drill instructors in the Marine Corps are second contract guys, yeah. so they're at least twenty three. Okay, a lot of them twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. So maybe Garrett can be the drill sergeant. I don't know. I I just say, when you, hey, you guys, I got junk food in here. We're watching some film. Come on in. To me, that doesn't like sound like a drill sergeant. But hey, maybe once they get to spring ball. Got some ice turns, cold Capri Sun. He turns on the switch, <laughs> and it's no longer honey buns and pop tarts, but it's uh, all right. Everybody, rice huddle cakes. Huddle up. Good workout today. Here's your orange slices. Gluten free sunflower seed. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Uh, Chad Brown, who, as many Nebraska fans remember, one of the focal points of that defense when they had their rise in the Big Eight, and also a guy who had a chance to play in a Super Bowl against Jimmy's Dallas Cowboys. Had a fun conversation with him about all things Super Bowl and even Coach Prime. This is Chad Brown last week with me and Sharpie. Exciting times as we've been talking a lot about it, and so is the college football world when it comes to Colorado football and Coach Prime. College football and the Super Bowl, all great things to discuss with our next guest, former national champion with the Colorado Buffaloes, Chad Brown, joining us. Chad, how are you today, my man? I am fantastic. How are you doing, my friend? Doing well, doing well. And so I, I, I feel like we just we have to get right to it. Uh, people are, are paying attention to Colorado football these days. Any, any reason? Any, anything going on out there? <laughs> for a program that has been mainly irrelevant from a, a national picture standpoint for almost two decades, uh, the, the hiring of Deion Sanders, or Coach Prime, as he has been requested to be called, um, <laughs> this eight weeks has been absolutely bananas since he's been hired. The amount of national attention, the amount of uh, social media follows and likes and apparel sales at the University of Colorado, the recruits, the transfers, 40-plus new kids in the program just in eight weeks, it has been about as bananas of a uh, early time with a uh, college coach that I can ever recall in my lifetime. Um, so he has hit the ground running in an amazing way, and Buff fans could not be more excited. Hey, let me ask you, Chad. So put yourself, take your take yourself out of. Um, I, I'm a Colorado legend, Hall of Famer, but I'm I'm in high school in Pasadena. Instead of Bill McCartney recruiting me at a 17 years old. It's Deion Sanders recruiting me to Colorado. What's what's your reaction to this the 17-year-old Chad Brown that would be towards Dion compared to, and we're kind of all the same age in uh, late uh, 40s. I know you're in your early 50s. 
the reaction as an, a, an older person looking at Dion and the way he's handling recruiting at CU? Well, I, I think you kind of framed it really well because Dion is not trying to get the uh, 52-year-olds to sign up for his program. He's trying to get 17- and 18-year-olds. And those kids are into social media. It's, so when, if you watch any of the clips uh, of Dion talking kind of behind the scenes, he's talked about how big social media is for what he's doing out there. So the kids are into it. That's what they love. That's what's important to them. They're into likes and follows and all that kind of stuff. So that's the, the game. And he's probably playing better than any college program in the country mm-hmm. if he gets to use himself as social media content. Um, and because he's got some swagger and some coolness to himself, uh, the kids absolutely eat that up. Is, is Dion for me at 52 years old? No, I, I think I, I look at life through a slightly different lens. But at 17 or 18, oh, I would have been really excited <laughs> for this program. So, uh, you know, make no mistake about it. Uh, he has tuned his message perfectly to his audience, and it's working very, very well. The the roster, and you talked about the amount of new faces, too. We, when we see new coaches, you start to kind of give an idea of, you know, how they're going to go about that first year. What you're hearing, and especially from all the Colorado football circles, you know, when it does come to getting that many new faces, obviously the big task is to get them to work within your system, to be able to develop them, those young players, and even the new faces. Is that still kind of the biggest thing that remains, you know, to be seen as far as the overall development uh, of what this, uh, this roster and a lot of these new faces will kind of turn out to be? I think that's a, the first step in the, in the process is getting these kids on campus, uh, getting them uh, up to life in Boulder. Boulder's a little bit of an unusual college football environment. So mm-hmm. while there's a ton of enthusiasm and optimism and positivity right now, there still remains a part of the campus, uh, life, who wishes there wasn't a football program at all. So uh, that's something that's unique in Boulder among, you know, things that, teams that we consider the college kind of football elite, those, the perennial top 20, top 25 kind of programs, is there as a part of the university community. There's a part of the faculty, students on campus, who wish there wasn't uh, a football program and that the highest-paid person on campus should be a Nobel Prize winner mm-hmm. and not the head football coach. Mm-hmm. So those kids and Dion have to get used to that kind of thinking. While they're getting a lot of love now, that opposition will crop up. But to your point, he's got to find a way to take all these guys who are coming in with kind of a mercenary kind of attitude yeah. Yeah. that it's a little bit about me about my following, my social media, my this, my that, and how to gel those guys into a, a team. Now, he's come out and said he doesn't have time to wait around. He doesn't yeah. have time to, uh, you know, for things to come together slowly. He's trying to hit the ground running. So this is going to be a tremendous test for him and his staff to bring these guys together very quickly uh, because, you know, as we know, college football doesn't wait. If you don't show up ready yeah. to play, you're going to get your butt beat. And so with all this positivity, he would hate for it to go no place because they couldn't find a way to get going early in the season. You've won in college football before. How do teams like Nebraska and Colorado, how do they win in college football in 2023 and beyond? Uh, They have to uh, understand that it is about recruiting. The recruiting landscape has changed considerably, and these kids have options, and sometimes those options – come with a lot of money behind them. I'm not saying every kid is making their choice based on the NIL dollars alone, mm-hmm. but there are certainly some kids we've seen the last couple of years who haven't even even made a visit to the campus 
They are judging their college scholarship opportunities by the NIL dollars. So that is a part of it. Uh, what is it what's in it for me uh, with the transfer rule, with the, uh, you know, the, the dollars that I just talked about, these kids have to be uh, almost, I won't say placated to, but you have to understand that this kid has options that were very different than when I was playing college football back then. If you transferred, you had to sit out of here. And you, there was kind of a stain on you as being a transfer. Oh, you couldn't hack it over at this school. So now you left yeah. trying to find a better opportunity over here. Now college coaches have to recognize if they don't re-recruit their roster every single year and give those kids something to come back for, that kid is going to, to leave. So when you bring in the amount of new kids that Dan has brought in all at once, can you possibly keep them all happy? So that's another one of the tasks up for Dion is how do I divvy out playtime to keep these kids going? I did a lot of college football this year for mm-hmm. uh, Compass Media. And when I would talk to the coaches, one of those conversations was, I've got to find a way to play all my freshmen and redshirt freshmen and, and sophomores and get them on the field because if I don't, they're going to leave. And I'll never have a chance to see what kind of player they could actually become because they'll be playing for somebody else if I don't let them play early on in their college experience. Chad, we're we're seeing some early signs of maybe a very potential fun back and forth between Nebraska and Colorado. (laughs) Look, you were a part of this back when you won a national title, but when Colorado and Coach Mack essentially, they pointed out Nebraska. They declared Nebraska would be the rivalry. You were part of that. We're, I don't. I mean, it's it's hard to say rivalry because you don't have a game between two programs every year. It's not an annual thing. But now with the personality of Deion Sanders, and I would say the subtleties of Matt Rule, where there's a jab here or there, and we know these two teams are locking up in Boulder in in week two. That just what that could be as far as not just the game itself, but also knowing that these two programs are going to be competing against each other when it comes to recruiting. How, how does I mean? Does this kind of bring back some old memories for you? Uh, it does. It, it, it does because you know <laughs> you can play each other every year, and you can call the rivalry. But until both teams are successful, yeah, uh, the rest of the country doesn't pay attention. Mm-hmm. So now that Matt Rule is back, and Matt's certainly a uh, very skilled college coach, NFL was a different. Uh, experience for him, but as a college coach, there's no doubt about his skill and ability to turn a program around. Uh, Dion has hit the ground running in Boulder. Now there's more intrigue nationally for this, you know, what, what used to be a, a rivalry and hopefully will be in the future. Uh, these kinds of, of games that are on the schedule, Coach McCartney put the Nebraska game in red on the schedule. He formulated the whole program around this rivalry with Nebraska. Coaches weren't allowed to drive red cars. Uh, players couldn't wear red in a team facility. So by pointing to the team that he saw as the absolute pinnacle back then of the old school Big Eight, um, that was what we used to as a standard bearer, and that was the, 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 the level that we needed to get to. And that's what happens in these rivalry games. Is you able to set your mark to somebody? Yeah. How do we yeah. surpass those guys? Um, so this this game, as it goes on to the future, I think can be that kind of game for these new coaches. Hey, let me let me shift a little bit to the NFL, because you do have a, a semi-connection to Deion Sanders. Not only now is he the head coach at your alma mater, but 
when he was with the Cowboys and you were with the Steelers, you guys met in the Super Bowl. There's going to be 110 million of us that next Sunday are going to watch the Eagles and the Chiefs play. There are very, very few people that get to play in that game. This might sound like a simple question, but I'm always curious. Chad, what's it like to play in the Super Bowl? Uh, it is awesome. It is awesome. But on the other hand, if you lose that game, it is absolutely crushing uh, to, to lose that game. Uh, I, it probably took me 10 years after the, my Steelers lost to the Cowboys in that Super Bowl to accept the fact that we had lost, number one. Wow. And number two, look at the Super Bowl as a positive experience. Mm. Uh, for those 10 years, I thought I would have rather not played in the Super Bowl at all than to go and lose. And as a little background, you know, I won 32 games in a row in high school, back-to-back championships. Went to Colorado, obviously won a national championship there. So when, when a big game happens, I expect to win. Mm-hmm. And to stand there on the field after that game and watch the confetti come down on the Dallas Cowboys, uh, that was crushing. And even to this day, uh, this is the time of year where NFL Network will re- will replay all the old Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, have a little short little 30-minute or hour show about each old Super Bowl. If I'm flipping through and I catch my Steelers playing those Cowboys in that game, I will sit down and I'll still expect us to find a way to win. Uh. So even now, <laughs> you know, 25-plus years later, I still get crushed and hurt by that. Um, but obviously, it's an amazing experience. And Bill Cowher talked about to us uh, the night before the game. He said, make sure you get to the stadium early. Mm-hmm. So you can get on the field and you can see all the stars in the stands, and you can see all that. So when the game kicks off, you are ready to play because this is going to be a moment that will far surpass even your wildest uh, dreams and expectations. I got to, I got to imagine. You always hear this when you know people get married. You're like, you, you know, the you're 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 going to forget the day. You know, you you know, you got married, but everything just goes by and so quickly. It's kind of a blur. The the week and the days sort of leading up to the game, is it kind of similar to where there's so much anticipation, you're trying to prepare for it, but also it's just that the, the biggest moment of your professional sports career that kind of the days leading up to it and the distractions are just completely like out of the memory? You know, I think I can remember it all pretty well. The, mm. the week before the game, this week, there's so much logistical stuff. There's always... Uh, a, a meeting before or after practice, and it's the traveling secretary, and it's the, the person who coordinates uh, the wives and the families playing, and somebody's got to come in and talk to you about tickets and how many tickets you get and all those kinds of things. There's a lot of that. And meanwhile, the coaches are installing the game plan. Um, then you get to the host city, and you've got to do the, the media day, which yeah. at this point has turned into a complete circus. <laughs> you got to deal with all of that. Um, and then if you are uh, on a team, I think, with a coach who has – been there, kind of done that before. Uh, I talked to Bill Cower and Bill Belichick about this. They've always liked to hold something back from the game plan until you get down to the host city. Because otherwise, if you just kind of keep going over the same thing over and over and over, the guys get bored. Mm-hmm. So you got to throw in a trick play or two. You got to throw in something unusual that will get the guys mentally re-engaged again with the game plan and not just dreaming about kickoff on Sunday. So uh, it was, there's a process to this in the best teams find a way to navigate these waters and give their team best chance for success. Hey, you spend a lot of time talking about the, the sport you love on uh, Sports Talk Radio in uh, Denver, uh, and you spend a lot of time talking about the Broncos. For Bronco fans that are in our listening audience that you talk to every day, how soon before the Broncos are back on this stage? 
Wow. Uh, well, you're talking about the Super Bowl stage. That is uh, – <laughs> I guess it all depends on uh, how fixable Russell Wilson is. I think we all have trust that Sean Payton is a tremendous offensive-minded head coach. His track record of success in New Orleans, I think four times in his 15 years, they were the number one offense in the league. Uh, seven or eight other times, they were a top ten offense in the league. So if Russell Wilson – can be fixed, improve on some of the things that were uh, definite issues for him this last season. And this is not just the, the decline of a guy, but a guy who maybe had a, a blip in his career arc, then that certainly is possible. There's a very good defense on the other side of the ball. There's some very talented players over there. The scheme that they play is one of the most popular defensive schemes in the league. It's very successful. Um, they've got some talent at the wide receiver position. They've got a young running back in Javante Williams who's able to come, if he's able to come back from an ACL injury. Is one of the more physical punishing runners in the league. So there's some pieces there. Uh, but I would suspect to be on this stage, uh, we are at least three years away with the draft capital they gave up to get Russell Wilson and then the draft capital they had to give up to get Sean Payton. Uh, the, their ability to kind of restock the roster is going to be delayed for a couple of years. And there's some offensive line issues that need to be addressed. There are some uh, – uh, uh, other issues on this team, particularly special teams, some depth issues that also need to be addressed. So uh, I, I don't see it happening in the next year or two, but if we were to kick that can down the road to year three or mm -hmm. four and Russell Wilson is fixable, yeah. then that certainly is, is a possibility. Hey, one other uh, thing here as uh, it kind of uh, all the worlds colliding this week, your former teammate retired. You got a, you got in your, your, your couple of uh, tours with the Patriots. You got a good Tom Brady story? Uh, people are always shocked when I, when, I, when I tell them this story. Tom Brady is by far the greatest big-name teammate I've ever been around. i played with some amazing Hall of Fame players, um, guys who were great teammates. Rod Woodson, Damani Dawson, yeah. Kevin Green, uh, John Randall, Cortez Kennedy, Walter Jones. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, but Tom Brady, the bottom five guys on that Patriots roster, because Bill's always looking to improve the team out there, those guys are always turning over. There's a constant churn. So almost every single week, there's somebody new on that football team. Yeah. And Tom would be the first guy to walk over to him in the locker room in as corny as it sounds, would shake his hand and say, hey, I'm Tom Brady. You got any questions? You got any, any issues? Come to me. Come, come talk to me. I'll help you out. And it seems like a small thing. But obviously, at, at that stage, to be a part of the Patriots, particularly as a guy brand new in week 12, mm -hmm. it's an intimidating thing to be there. So for Tom to come over, break that wall down, break that barrier down, let that guy know you are a part of this, and I'm going to tell you that you're a part of this. And then throughout that first day, you see Tom Brady sitting in the front row in the meeting. You see Tom Brady going in the weight room. He ain't moving a whole lot of weight, but he sure is working hard. <laughs> yeah. There's conditioning at practice. Tom is absolutely busting his butt during conditioning. It's like, whoa, this is what I'm a part of. And that guy, that guy, came over and introduced himself to me and told me if I got any questions to come directly to him, it just really kind of brought it all together for those new guys when Tom would do that. Well, that is Chad Brown. Again, we were talking with him last week, Sharp and myself, uh, and we have the entire interview up on the radio replay, so be sure to check that out. Coming up next, speaking of the Super Bowl, we are going to get you your best plays, props, anthem, and, of course, who will win it. Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports right after this here morning's Sharp and Hanley, 1620 The Zone. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. 
coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.